One final thought. Will you be axing Doctor Who again? <laughs> well, sole purpose of coming here. No, uh, it is essentially uh, a matter for the executive. And the idea, I mean, the axing of Doctor Who when I was the controller of BBC One turned out to, to, caused a great deal of consternation amongst the governors. It's none of the governor's business what happens to Doctor Who, as long as I don't have to watch it. Live from John Lumick's high-heeled cyber shoe emporium for upgraded ladies of shorter stature, this is Doctor Who Podshot. This is Doctor Who Podshock, episode 60, for the week of November 28th, 2006. My name is Ken Deep, alongside Mr. Lewis F. Trapani. Hello. And across the pond, way across the pond, Mr. James Norton. Hello. What does the what? F stand for? That's <laughs> for fabulous. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. I like it. <laughs> Like Fred G. Sanford, the F is going to stand for something different every week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll bear that in mind. <laughs> so what's going on in the Doctor Who newsroom? Loads and loads and loads. Um, loads? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So everyone get okay. a load of this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's, uh, let's see the load, please. For everything, there's a beginning, and um, sometimes there a new beginning, and that leads us to the first story, which is um, a new Do Doctor Who DVD set um, scheduled for January of 2007, at least in um, in the UK in Region Two, and it's um it's an, quite an impressive um set. It contains um it's it's called New Beginnings, and um, it's because it it's it we it marks the return of the Master. And it also marks um, a new beginning for the Doctor because it's um, it, it has the stories of uh, the Keeper of Trocken, Legopolis, and Costa Valver. And after seven years of Tom Baker's reign as the Doctor, Peter Davison takes over. So it's a whole new beginning, and um, and, and I guess hence the title. But yeah, these are some mm. some great great stories. And I remember that when uh, a couple years back, when Anthony Ainley passed away, um, they had made mention on the on the uh, restoration team's website that he had recorded the audio commentary for that story for Keeper Truck. And so uh, yes. he's finally going to see the light of day. And his commentary hear his... is included on, on the Keeper Truck, and it's Anthony Anley, Matthew Waterhouse, and Sarah Sutton, plus writer Johnny Bryan, 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 or Bryan rather. Um, Bryan. Bryan, I don't Bryan, know. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> a great story. I... That's one of my favorites, Keeper of Truck. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm really glad that that's seeing the light of day, and it's just a a nice story arc uh, as far as you know having a box set. And uh, for Locopolis, it's Tom Baker, Janet Fielding, and Christopher H. Um, Bidmed. Bidmed, yep, as the the writer. And um, and for Castrovalva, Castrovalva, the commentaries include 
Peter Davison, Janet Fielding, plus director Fiona Cumming, and uh, writer Christopher uh, Bidmed again. Cool. It's great that they've got uh, uh, Tom Baker and uh, Peter Davison on the commentaries because whenever I've listened to, well, um, particularly Tom Baker, but there's always a terrific <laughs> banter going on there between. Um, yeah. You Between never know. Janet Fielding and, and, and respective doctors, I, I was listening to um, the commentary on Earthshock a few weeks ago, and uh, it was just great fun listening to them all uh, chat. And you never know which Tom Baker is going to show up. Yeah, I was, I was just listening to the Hand of Fear commentary uh, last week, and it was um, fairly interesting. Well, it's also good that you know they're putting out three stories at the same time and and this kind of speeds up the process you know what for, for we discussed this on past pod shocks where it seemed like they were few and far between we were getting like eight to ten dvds a year and now they're stepping up the pace a little and um this is great because three discs are coming out you know plus the you figure this is around the same time that uh series two hits dvd here in the states and uh it's just good that they're stepping up the pace uh Quicker yeah. better. Well, let's hope it gets yeah. to Region One fairly quickly. I know we're still having we have to wait till like March for the Invasion box set, and that's already out in the UK. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess it's all to do with licensing and stuff, though, isn't it? And trying to find someone to produce and distribute the DVDs because, from what I've seen, the the content isn't really all that different, aside from maybe a different cover on. Yeah, that's the, the you're right. The, it's just basically the, the the artwork, you know, the packaging artwork is different, and um, but and the region itself. one instead of region yeah. two, yeah. And yeah. I have to say that, uh, and not to toot our, our own horn, but the, the packaging I was um, in the in region two in the in the British discs discs is, are, are pretty unremarkable. What, yeah, you know, you yeah, compare that's it to true. The artwork on the region one discs are, are actually pretty impressive. You know, they're, they're actually very nice. Yeah, and, well, and, and usually we're the ones getting, you know, you'd think that the UK would have the the best of the best. Well, you would have thought so, and I think there's there's definitely been a, almost a backlash against the the current uh, DVD covers for the classic series because a lot of people have created their own covers yeah, and, 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 and you can download the them at various websites yeah. and it's pretty interesting that you know i was just going to comment about that too james that uh you know fans out there you know have felt the same thing about it and they develop their own replacement covers you know where you can download and print them and and put them in the dvd sleeve yourself they've yeah. done that with some of the star wars movies as well uh we can you know, surprisingly covers and, um you well, know, this box set seems to break away from their usual pattern. I mean, I can faintly see the roundels of the TARDIS in the background, but it's it's a black. It's like in in a black setting. Um, I don't know if 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 you go to the BBC News section on the on the official Doctor Who site, you can see the box set um, artwork, and um, it does break away from the yeah. It's, it's unusual, yeah, yes. Yeah, but again, I don't think it's anything particularly remarkable, really. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a shame because um, the for the new series, in my opinion, the the artwork on that has been very very good, and mm-hmm. uh, this this stuff is just uh, the, for the classic series. I don't know if they're just kind of throwing it together that the artwork and spending more time on the disc. I, I guess that's kind of 
more important because I'd hate it's great to have uh, good artwork, but if the artwork uh, takes more precedent than what's on the disc, then you know no one's going to buy it just for the fancy cover, I guess. So. I'm a little disappointed we're not getting a Cyberhead box for the series two. Like oh, aren't are. you? No, I, I would just think we're just getting the plain one. No, because even then, I think the Cyberman one is exclusive to Amazon. Mm-hmm. They've done their typical, uh, we're so big and massive <laughs> that we're going to uh, buy all of these and not let anybody else have them so that people will have to come to us if they want this for Christmas. Um, because it's, I think it's no coincidence that uh, although it does take them some time, I'm sure, to put the box set together, it's no coincidence that it's released around Christmas time, uh, end of November, so, uh, you know, I think that they know what they're doing and they're, they're trying their best to kind of uh, make it the number one DVD for Christmas. And I think it certainly was last year. I know it was uh, series one was underneath um, my Christmas tree, which is uh, always good. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, well, th- I think that is a shame because... Uh, if if you're a collector and you're interested in that sort of thing, and, and especially because last year they had the whole uh, TARDIS thing going on where it all opened out if you were, uh, you know, a British collector. And I think even some Americans bought it just for that. So. Yeah, well, it, the same thing, with the, it was the same with the Region 1 version of it. It's just that it was a flat box. slimmer line. Yeah, yeah it yeah, wasn't yeah. a box-shaped box. It was, um, you know, a, a, a thinner container. But it still opened yeah. up into the inside of the TARDIS and the discs interlaid, you know, with the background. Nicely, and, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you can see previews of uh, what's going to... I think it's even out now, this Series 1, uh, Series 2 box set. I don't know. Um, yeah, it is, actually. Yeah. I, uh, to my I mean, understanding, yeah, I think people I think people are posting on our site that they're just getting it. I think um, our friend Taras, um, regular contributor to Pachak, has even posted something that he... he Obviously, he ordered it from the UK, the Region Two version. I think he's he's just received right. it. On a um, this is a completely different sideline, and I've just been reminded of it because a, f- a few weeks ago we were commenting on how we're really hoping when the soundtrack is released, which is of course coming up very very soon. Is I think it's the fourth of December or something. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. I think I know what you're about to say. Go. <laughs> yeah, great minds think alike, yeah. but um, it's fantastic that they have now released on iTunes a lot more Doctor Who material. Oh, they've, have they? They've released, yes, they've released um, all of the audiobooks, uh, certainly on the UK store. I can't speak for the US store, but I, I, on the I, UK store, yeah, uh, all the brand new books, um, mm-hmm. as read by David Tennant and Stephen... Uh, I think Stephen Fry reads one of them, and uh, the oh, his name escapes me. The gentleman who played the president oh, uh, mm-hmm. in Rise of the Cybermen, and, and Anthony Stewart Head, and all sorts of different people. But they're all on iTunes, which is terrific because I know that was something that we were kind of like, oh come on, we need to find some um, digital versions so that we can download it and. Thank God, goodness for that. So uh, I'm hopeful that they'll do the same for the soundtrack and maybe even an, uh, 
later on when the UK does get more video downloads that we'll be able to see uh, the series uh, on iTunes as well in well, video format. Well, I did want to comment. I thought we actually did have um, different thinking processes at this time, rare as it may be, but I thought you were going to mention that um, as we record today, today is November 28th, and um, yesterday, the 27th, um, one of our regular listeners and, um, and, and a person that's active in our forums, Pat, um, he's known as Actagar in our forums, had posted that he has received the his soundtrack already of the Murray Gold. It's supposed to be released um, on the 4th of December, but he had ordered it from Amazon UK and he received it yesterday. So it's actually already being shipped. Um, I don't know if it's a mistake by Amazon UK, but you figure the shipping time overseas and all that, they must have shipped it last week, I would imagine, if he just received it yesterday, mm. Monday the 27th. He the so United they're pulling a Best Buy. Yeah, I think so. Is he in the United States, Lewis? Yes. Because I ordered mine as well from Amazon UK, and I haven't even received my email with the shipping notification yet. Ah. So maybe they just uh, messed up and sent a few out before realizing, um, hold on, the release date's not until uh, till next week or whatever. Hmm. They've, the, uh, big companies like uh, Best Buy was was known to do that last year. Certainly with the uh, the, the first series box set, um, they were they were uh, releasing it early in the United States uh, before the release date, which of course many fans were quite pleased about uh, because <laughs> of a, an an a, oh, I can never say this word administrative error. There you go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Pat, Pat is um in uh, Illinois, just so okay. You... Just for your information. Yeah. So um, I I mean I haven't ordered mine yet. I was waiting to see whether or not it was going to show up digitally, you know, via iTunes and yeah, um, me too. And, and see if we go that route. But um, either way, I'll you know I'm going to purchase it and be it a physical CD or or digitally um you know so. Of still, course, because. Uh, uh, the uh, the BBC Wales Children in Need concert uh, has certainly whetted my appetite. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, I, for those that ha had a chance to hear it, it was available. Um, you could listen to it, I think, for a week or so online. Yes. And yeah. um, there, there's, I think, still other ways to to hear it, but um, <laughs> <laughs> we can't really talk about those. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I kind of took us off on a on a major. But Tangent. Well, but going back to where what we were talking about the 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 series two DVD, I think um, James, you wanted to talk um, about as one of our news stories about the the new box set of the series two DVD is going to be a lot more accessible for um, for those that need it that that, that require um, accessibility on the DVD format. Yeah, that's right. Because I I know that there are several of our listeners are actually blind, and just purely because they've sent uh, voice comments in before and uh, various means, emails and so on. Um, but basically, uh, the, it's great. I think it's this is the first time that this has been witnessed in Europe. I I don't know if there's a similar scheme in North America or other parts of the world. But um, the the new box set, the Series Two box set, um, will be kind of leading the way in that it will have an an, uh, an audio navigation system. Um, so basically, blind or partially sighted people 
should be able to navigate around the disc mm -hmm. menus, um, obviously without having to see the screen, and they could, uh, you know, it will make the whole process a whole lot easier. Which, for me, I, I, it seems so obvious. I don't know why um, companies mm. haven't been doing this before. Because that's you, extraordinary. When yeah, no. I, I believe that Doctor Who is in, in a somewhat unique situation because during its hiatus, it's um, it gained um, probably gained a lot of uh, you know blind or you know or, or or partially blinded audience because of all the radio series and and um, big finish audios and uh, I mean you don't have to see these you can just listen to it and um, this is more material because I mean you know you would have to imagine that. Um, that someone that's um, visually disabled don't doesn't have the complete um, resources that visually able people have as far as content goes, you know. And um, so this is, um, I, I, I'm sure, the, the, you know, it gained a lot more fans, you know, that were listening to that may have and, not and, you know, have been exposed to Doctor Who previously. We've talked about this in the past when I we've talked about the audio adventures and some of the missing stories being available on audio. Doctor Who has always lent itself uh, to, to being a medium that could survive without the visuals, uh, the yeah. storytelling and the acting. And, and you know, because in the early days, you'd have sets that may not have lived up to standards and special effects and stuff that were done on a, on a, uh, a budget. You know, the, a lot of times the companion was forced to say, Doctor, do you see that giant bug up there with one eye that's green, that's blinking, that's heading this way? <laughs> you know. Um, but in and, maybe a slightly more uh, intelligent way. But yeah, yeah, I certainly know what you mean. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, uh, it's always lent itself to the storytelling. So I think it always translated well into into the audio medium. And, and, and for someone who's visually impaired, I think that... Uh, you know, you're very easy to be a Doctor Who fan. It's not a, yes. you know, it's not like being a fan of of, of a special effects laden movie where um, only hearing it you know, doesn't really do anything for you. So, like Star Wars, for instance, the, the latest ones. Like yeah. Hmm? yeah, I was just like saying, like uh, the latest Star Wars film. Well, uh, you know, even even as far as Star Wars goes, George Lucas. Um, Donated the rights to the stories uh, to be done as radio, audio. Yeah, the radio series. In yeah, order yeah, to yeah, cater yeah. to those the people. The NPR yeah. series, which were outstanding, especially, you know. Outstanding. The, the outstanding. first one, um, the, you know, the first couple were very good. Yeah, yeah the, but it's, uh, it's just, sorry, a, you know, I, I just always thought that Doctor Who translated well, uh, you know, as far as if you only could hear it. Uh, you could still follow the story and enjoy it, and and the characters are so fun too. That you know, uh, the humor translates. So that's just—it's uh, really great news. It really is to me uh, that 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 once again, Doctor Who's on the on the forefront of this kind of technology. Yeah, and um, and I'm sure that uh, the uh, R N I B here in the UK agrees with you on this. Uh, that's for those not in the know. That's the Royal National Institute of the Blind, uh, and they've. I think they've co collaborated uh, with the BBC and um, the publishers, of course, to entertain, uh, to to produce this technology and this uh, new way of navigating around uh, the screens and so on. Um, and has given its seal of approval to the set. So um, maybe people had contacted them 
um, for, who had, were fans of the audios and said, hey, you know, the last DVD set was great, but we couldn't navigate around it all that well. Is there anything that you guys can do? So um, it, w it really wouldn't surprise me. It mm -hmm. wouldn't surprise me if that had happened. Sure. Anyway, I just thought that was kind of cool and interesting that's, and... That's uh, great, yeah, something for uh, blind listeners out there. Absolutely. So, moving on then to uh, the next uh, news item. Um, previously, in uh, many, many pod shocks ago, uh, we had reported, of course, that, uh, that Blue Peter was running another, yet another Doctor Who competition, because, of course, Blue Peter has a, a long history with Doctor Who. Um, where basically uh, they were trying to commission or find a new star to appear in the third series. Um, and basically that has now moved on to the next stage, and God bless the Beeb, because again they're innovating the way, and uh, it's actually, you have the opportunity to vote for who you would like to see in the series, who basically has done the best audition. Uh, and I think then ultimately, once they've weaned it down, um, then uh, Russell T Davies and, and Andy Pryor will uh, will select the best of the best, I guess. Um, but uh, there's, I think they've selected ten uh, viewers so far, have made it to the shortlist, and so only one final place is up for grabs. So you can, if you go to the BBC website, the, the Doctor Who page, uh, in, on the news page, there's a, there's a news story it's called Casting Call Part 2. If you click on that and then click Vote for Your Favourite, you can view the audition clips and then uh, vote for the person you think should uh, win the role, who is, who is best suited to the role. So again, this is great because it gives the fans the opportunity to say, okay, he would be great in Doctor Who, or no, that that's not going to work, or whatever. You know, a real chance for, for viewers to uh, have some input into the show, I guess, even if it's only in, in quite a, a minor way. But um, nonetheless, very interesting. Well, you, just to be a little bit more clear now, I'm, I'm there right now at, at, at that page, and you would have to have seen these finalist on the blue peter show in other words there's no clips here to kind of you know, yes this, sorry yeah you can't i it was misleading of me i i should have said that you had to have watched blue peter you can only vote for who you think uh should win i guess but uh i don't know i i, I don't know why they haven't put the clips up but yeah i guess uh, it's a way of increasing viewing figures for Blue Peter, <laughs> getting more Doctor Who fans to watch the show. Well, I'm, I just clicked Doctor Who vote, and um, it just brings me to the same page. Um, maybe this is something that... Is, is there an actual vote button that you're seeing, James? Because maybe there are... It could be limited to UK. I'm just wondering if it's like UK audiences only can do this or, or not. I don't know. I, I did check... Um, when the story came up, and I think I could click on it, so I don't know. Maybe it is. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, the BBC, especially with things like the Torchwood site, uh, where you can go back and view oh, old oh, episodes. I think... and... Okay, I, see, it's silly me. I should read things first. And 
I believe they decided on one because it says, and 4,500 of you decided that Stephanie's audition was the best. So oh, they've she, already selected the winner. So she joins uh. the other nine confirmed finalists. So I, I, I Oh, because are they doing it um, one a week? I, um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Because uh, they didn't, uh, of course, they didn't give a, uh, I guess... Uh, I, I guess they're doing this sort of like, uh, well, here in the States, American Idol-like or Pop Idol-like. Yes, where you get to vote each week and then join yeah. uh, a total group of people. Um, so, uh, I don't know, but th th they did receive a heck of a lot, so to... Wean it down to just ten is quite a task in itself. I would have hate to have been the um, the, the judges or the mm. uh, to wean it down to a short list because I think they received almost twenty five thousand or something like that entries. The twenty two thousand of you vote no have voted to choose the tenth finalist in Doctor Who. So I don't know how, ah. how many entries they've gotten. Well, right, because I know it's in the thousands. We can just say lots. <laughs> <laughs> a heck of a lot. But come on, if you were, you know, a nipper, a Doctor Who fan, you'd have to go in on this. <laughs> Who wouldn't want the opportunity to star in Doctor Who? It's crazy. Absolutely. Yes. Anyway, so um, there is... Well, there's kind of one big story next, which kind of links in with lots of other things. Mm -hmm. But um, and then there's a huge story which has yeah. just come out today, which we'll comment on later on. Mm -hmm. um, but first of all, um, I want to talk about uh, the fact that BBC Radio One uh, on Christmas Day is doing a, a, a special devoted to Doctor Who. Um, I think it's a three... It's not been fully confirmed by the BBC as yet, um, but they will be doing a three-hour special, and I th it's uh, proposed that it will run from, I think, uh, 4 till 7, 4 p.m. till 7 p.m. Uh, so that's right before the, uh, the Runaway Bride, and it will be hosted by Joe Wiley and will feature all sorts of, of guests, including David Tennant himself. Uh, so it's really a great opportunity to, I guess, gear up your day for Doctor Who. Um, I know, obviously, it's Christmas Day and you'll be spending time with family and so on. But it's a great way to kind of just uh, gear yourself up, even if you only listened for a short time. Uh, to the radio show to prepare yourself for the Runaway Bride, I guess. And I think they're going to have some snippets of Series 3 in there and all sorts of different bits and bobs. Um, and then running along uh, a similar sort of line there, um, they recently, on the BBC website, um, they finally got around to uh, releasing... Uh, the press release for The Runaway Bride, which has been something um, which has fans have been wondering about because, of course, they do the BBC usually do release a synopsis 
uh, in the form of uh, a press release from the press office, um, which you can find over on the BBC website. If you're listening uh, to the enhanced version of the podcast, you can just click on the link at the bottom um, because I don't want to say too much because uh, obviously if, if you're uh, not wanting any spoilers at all for the series, you won't want me to go ahead and read the press release. But also it's, it's over on, um, on our good friend, uh, the Doctor Who Online group, which you can find at doctorwho-online.co.uk. On the news page there, they have a, a, a link to, uh, well, they've quoted the uh, main focus of the, the article, and also have a link to the BBCI press office's website, so you can check out directly the uh, the, the, the synopsis itself. So, and the final bit, kind of linking all of this together, is um, that in the next uh, featured epi- uh, featured episode, I should say, uh, featured version of the Radio Times. David Tennant will be appearing, and we'll be talking about um, the uh, the sort of difficulties he had with series two, and what it was like to step into the role after Christopher Eccleston. And of course, this has sparked lots of um, conversation on the internet and lots of speculation as to, of course, a special edition of the Radio Times, similar to what they had last year. Mm-hmm. You may remember that it was a whole feature on the Christmas invasion and lots of sneaky peek photos. And, and the, the cover had the TARDIS and, and a snow globe. Yes. So cool. Yeah. That was very cool. And I think this, this year they've done a similar kind of funky thing, uh, looking at the BBC website, where the TARDIS is kind of wrapped up. Uh, I don't know if that will appear on, on the, the Radio Times cover, but I, it's definitely got to happen. They will be doing a special. It, it's 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 got to be because there's no way that you couldn't do this because it, it's going to be prime time on Christmas Day broadcast on BBC One. So I th- my feeling is, is that the Radio Times is going to do what they did last year and um, Based on- do a special. Based on the, the style of photo and the fact that there isn't a gallery for it on the on the official site, I, it it definitely has a Radio Times kind of feel. The whole TARDIS and the wrapping paper bit. Yeah, definitely. Well, last also- year they had the reef, and you know that was separate from what the Radio Times did. You know, mm. but you know this. But they- nevertheless, it was in the similar sort of yeah. style, um, and I think that they did feature it in in the Radio Times itself, even though that that, that there was a different picture on the cover i think that that um that the picture of the tardis with the wreath and like the the houses behind when it's snowing that was um that was in the radio times i think quite mm-hmm. quite a bit um but it's kind of it's got to happen but what was surprising for me was the fact that they for this month's edition of the radio times um they are uh, they're, they're interviewing David Tennant, which I would have thought they would have left out for the uh, the special. But um, I, I don't know. It's it's got to happen. It's got to happen. Um, I, I don't know, mainly because I, I want to go out and buy it and <laughs> c- have it for my collection because I've got the one from last year. So yeah, and uh, <laughs> and James, thank you so kindly. You know, you had sent us um, a, a copy of that issue as well. So. Oh no yes, problem. Thank you. Much thanks. I think you'll if if it is true that uh, 
that, that they will be releasing a special. I think you can expect another one coming through your uh, letterbox at some point. There is a Father Christmas. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, also, uh, this is kind of minor news because, uh, of course, this is a Doctor Who podcast and we've kind of said from the outset that we've not wanted to dwell on Torchwood too much. Um, but if you head over to our website, of course, podshock.net or gallifreyandembassy.org, uh, Lewis has uh, very kindly put up a news story about uh, t the Torchwood DVD, which is uh, well, Series 1, Part 1. Mm -hmm. So what's it, it that all about, Lewis? It ties into what we are just talking about, the... The, the the Christmas special this year, Runaway Bride, the day after Christmas is Boxing Day, and you can run off to the stores and pick up a the first part, I'm assuming, or um, th there'll be others, of um, a DVD box set for Torchwood, which this will include the first five episodes. And, um, you know, which obviously they'll, they're doing something like what they did um, with other series. They'll, instead of releasing it as a complete series, they're breaking it up into parts where you can get a certain amount of episodes initially and then build upon that. Or if you'd rather just wait until later, I'm sure they'll have a complete box set available at some time. But, uh, um, but if, you want to, if you're anxious and you haven't seen Torchwood yet, and, you, and if you're in the States and you have a Region 2 player, then this might be your opportunity to buy the box set of the first five episodes. And um, again, um, this is a Region 2 PAL DVD set. We haven't had any words on a um, Region 1 or any other region set for Torchwood at this time. It will happen, though, because, of course, um, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation has also invested a lot of money mm -hmm. in Torchwood, just as it has done for, for Doctor Who. So. There's no doubt that uh, eventually it will appear in Canada on television and therefore make the transition to DVD. But I think that what the BBC is doing is the BBC is doing a very similar thing to what it has done to with Doctor Who, is that it will release, uh, well, with the, this, the first and second series, they release kind of what they call vanilla DVDs, just with two or three episodes on one disc, very bare bones, um, nothing really special about them in terms of extras or anything like that, but just to kind of get the content out there so that people can buy it and not have to, to go out and pirate it. And then if people want the the big box set at the end, which is, is, has just been released recently, then they can wait and then they get all the, the fantastic extras and everything else that you'd expect in a gigantic box set. So I think that's what they're doing here is that they're kind of just trying to get the episodes out there to avoid people from pirating them and from, uh, you know, acquiring the series by other means, I guess you could say. Hmm. Well, um, yeah, it's, um, it, 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 like I said, um, it's the day after uh, Christmas, so um, maybe people can. Uh, it, maybe it might be released early, like the the soundtrack is right now, and people might find it oh. under their Christmas trees. Perhaps what what they're thinking is that uh, if you get something you don't want for Christmas, you can always exchange it the next day. <laughs> Although Lewis, uh -oh. and had, Lewis and I had discussed this off the air the other day, saying that uh, neither one of us really felt that we were. Uh, planning on buying any of the Torchwood stuff. Um, I mean, that goes to a whole review of of Torchwood as a whole, but um, 
you know, it's been a good series, but is it the kind of thing that you want to watch over and over and over again? Well, yeah, I know what you mean. I, I'm, I'm definitely not buying the five-episode set. I'm, I, I mean, we're still in the middle of the series, so if, I, you know, the last episode, number seven, I, I thought was pretty good, and, you know, so I'll, I'll keep, I'm still giving it a chance, and we'll wait. I mean, if, if this was the end of the series right now, if it, let's just say it was only seven episodes, no, I probably wouldn't buy the box set. Um, yeah, but it's still, it's only halfway through the series, yeah. and we've got plenty of more time for the, because sh- the shows, I think, is just getting into its stride, and um, I think that uh, we're going to see some some better episodes in the near future. I'm certainly really looking forward to next week's episode, uh, which does look very interesting. Hmm. Um, I'm, I don't want to say anything to spoil it for people, but uh, I think that will be very cool and a nice tie-in with episode one. Yeah, and there's going to be, well, you know, I think we still have more to look forward to towards the end of the series without giving anything away. Yeah, definitely. Well, so then. we have the next big piece of news, which I don't even think Ken knows about yet, though we could, I could be wrong. No, I would, as a matter of fact, when the minute you said that, I started looking around for stuff, so, <laughs> well, so please, drop the bomb on me. It's not too, we might be building it up to be you know, more than it is, but um, for any long-time Doctor Who fans, especially if you were a fan in the mid-80s, um, you might have, <laughs> <laughs> you, you might you might jump up with a little glee with this news, is that um, Michael Gray has resigned as the BBC chairman, and he's, <laughs> he's off to join ITV um, for the uh, corporation's main, ter- which is the corporation's main terrestrial rival, so... Um, no more Michael Grade. <laughs> you know, he he uh, he, he has come such, around. You know, he was such a figure uh, of of disdain that it took an act of Parliament to prevent him from interfering with. Well, Dr. that's what Who's I said to James um, before we started recording. Was that uh, did he leave because Parliament won't let him? You know, ask Doctor Who, Doctor Who again. <laughs> <laughs> Right well, you know, I got to be really honest with you. I mean, obviously, as Doctor Who fans, we're, we're always like, yeah, boo, Michael Grade. But, you know, this is this is a person that um, he he seems to like wearing the black hat and playing the bad guy. And let him go to ITV and ruin that. And that wearing suspenders. Don't forget the, susp- the braces, rather. The- <laughs> I, you know, I, I really, I, part of me wants to take the high road and part of me just wants to call him a jerk. And I'm just glad he's out of well, the BBC. Well, he, he did come around um, during last... Oh, no, no, he didn't. Last year, he, he did come <laughs> out and said that he no, liked the new no. series. And th- this yeah, could only be because it. his children are, or, ch- or child, I, I don't know if it's plural or not, but is into the new series or not. But he did come out and say that he liked the new series, you know. Yeah, but you have to wonder there with that, because he, he I think he became chairman in 2004... So it was just before the first series was released. So I think he kind of had to say, as the chairman, oh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, or uh, it's really good, because, of course, he was the chairman of the BBC at the time. He wasn't... when At the time when he con- uh, when he axed Doctor Who, he was the controller mm. of, of BBC yes. One, I think, um, or BBC Two, I can't remember which one Doctor yeah, Who was showing on BBC the time. Yeah, I think BBC One. He was the controller, I believe. But um, you know, but, it, uh, you it, know, he had no choice, James. Yes, but of course. I tell you why. History judged his decisions as being foolish. Yes, very foolish. 
You know what I mean? It's it, in the time he could make his argument that well, it needs this or it needs that or whatever. But history, history judged him to be wrong. Period. He was wrong. Of course. He was very wrong in his decision, and um, I think he tried to atone for it later. Motivated by ego and personal decisions and personal gripes, and that's not how you run a business. Mm. You know, mm. based on on on, uh, on demand. Well, we see his case on audience loyalty. Mm. Yeah, and, and of course the loyalty was there, even though, um, yes, I think fans would be the first to say that uh, in the 80s, the late 80s, the, um, the show was, was lacking in things. And yes, but it was only his, lacking because of yeah. him. Yeah, 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 yeah. His, you know, getting his fingers into it. Had saying, he you, not been meddling, had he allowed John Nathan Turner to resign to do what he wanted, wanted to, yeah, yeah, and yeah. handed it off to a new, young, fresh producer, the show would have continued. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it would have continued, I think, uh, long into. Uh, it will still probably be continued to this day. I don't. Well, it was a British institution. Such long hiatus. How, how dare you yeah. meddle with that? <laughs> the proof. He's a meddler. <laughs> the proof that it would have continued in a healthy form is that Russell T. Davies, a young, you know, energetic television producer, new, fresh ideas, comes along and resurrects it. Yeah. And, and also, it's bigger I think, and better than ever. I think that Russell also um, will be able to admit uh, when the time comes that it needs a fresh face it needs a fresh uh, look and we'll pass it on to somebody else to another producer to take over and um and and make the show uh rejuvenate the show regenerate the show um which is always what doctor who needs is that doctor who needs to be innovative and doctor who needs to be different and uh, pushing the frontiers of television and Certainly, when Grade was had his hands in many different pies of the BBC and just didn't want Doctor Who to be around anymore for whatever reason, and made it difficult for John Nathan Turner to do what he wanted to do, and for the show to have the budget that it needed, and all sorts of various different things, then you know you he you knew from the offset that the show was finished, and no matter how many. Um, how much of a demand there was, or how much of a, a need for the show that there was, it was going to be axed. Which, as you as you rightly say, Ken, that's not the the way that you run a business because uh, the demand was always there and the interest was always there. It's just um, and you know what really the like the show. He was a hypocrite and a liar. He said it's not going off the air. We're just taking it off so we can bring it into the '80s or prepare it for a new decade or whatever the hell he said. And he was a liar. He was a liar. Yeah. He lied faces so but he, me, he's, he said that to pacify the fans obviously what's that he said that to uh, to pacify the fans i think to just say well, he, okay he wanted the death threats to stop yeah stop death threatening me and uh, I'll, uh, yeah it's all okay it's no problem uh, they'll soon forget about it if it goes into hiatus for a few months and people didn't forget about it for 16 years or however long it was off the air so he just um, he was you know he better just Whatever. Good I don't know. I just think it's really interesting that the BBC now, there's loads of buzzer over on the website and stuff about um, can grade turn ITV around. And well, because he had, I mean, I don't know really. I'm not, I don't follow the daily British television 
gossip the way anybody who perhaps lived in the UK. But what's he going to turn around? What, is he a visionary? If he was a visionary, he would have got Doctor Who. Yes, but uh, I think it's all about kind of they're they're trying to say what he's he's leaving a big hole behind and he's no, gonna he, do great no. things for ITV like yeah. he's done for the BBC. It's just bring the on BBC's the flavor way. of love, okay? Bring on yeah, that's all right. the reality shows. Bring on all the crap that makes television <laughs> lousy. Okay, rubbish. Let him do all that. Please, I beg of you to do that. I beg of you to continue to make crap. <laughs> I think it will happen because <laughs> ITV fact, is in James, dire straits. James, you get back to the UK. You ask Parliament, Parliament on my behalf to pass a measure <laughs> that he is required to not put out quality programming. <laughs> I think we should do that. I think uh, I should. We should send a letter to Tony Blair, as the listeners of Podshot get us their petition <laughs> going, and see what what we can do and how much we achieve. Because uh, yeah, I've never been a fan of the guy, but I've kind of let him, uh, given him a bit of slack in in recent years. And but clearly you haven't, Ken, and I love it. It's fantastic. No, I don't. I, no, I'm very. <laughs> it's like it's 1986. And Absolutely. You're completely you bitter you're about up the a hornet's still. nest. You time know. is all relative to a time lord. <laughs> I still have the flyers Lewis made with his picture that has the target oh, no. on it, and we used to throw darts at it. We used to hand them out at Doctor Who conventions. It said exterminate Michael Gray. Yeah, you remember had his that? Face with a big target. Oh, I got them. I got a bunch of them in my file cabinet. They, they were like Maybe the salmon mustard. Uh, yellow colored flyers, yeah. <laughs> Lewis, Lewis couldn't pump out enough of those, and we put them everywhere. <laughs> that is brilliant. That is sheer genius. Anyway, uh, we just wanted to report on that because uh, obviously any long term Doctor Who fans will probably feel the same way that Ken does about uh, no, Mr. Michael Grade. You know Michael what? I, I'm, I'm mad that he's going to another television network. I would be pleased. This, this story would be good news if it was like, Michael Grade has been put in charge of sanitation. <laughs> you know, something like <laughs> the completely BBC. miserable. Yes, yes. <laughs> Just as long as his hands are off Doctor Who, we're happy. <laughs> yes. He's going, well, maybe he is going to work for sanitation because he's going to work for ITV. <laughs> all right, so, what's next uh, in the news before I get myself all into well, a lather? That, that wraps it up with the news. Um, no, no, it doesn't. Well, what well, does I, it? I, no, it doesn't. Well, I, I, if you let me continue, well, unless you have. <laughs> I'll get all hot under the collar. <laughs> We um, in our announcements portion of the program, <laughs> if, if this is what you meant, um, are, are you referring to a, a certain special that's coming up? Is 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 that what you're getting hot under the collar, Ken? The Blake Seven special? Yes. Oh, the cult yes. of finally the the legendary Blake Seven special. I, I'm I'm going to hand it over to Ken to talk about this one. Okay, on um... <laughs> several years ago, <laughs> yes, on BBC Four. Uh, actually, they they have a new program called The Cult of. You know, and if those of you who have frequented uh, the BBC's website, they've had um, a sort of spin-off called Cult Television for a while. It's uh, actually now sort of relegated to a site that's kind of defunct. I mean, there's still some content on it, but it's not updated anymore. But they have a new show coming out called The Cult, 
well, the cult of, and they, they explore some cult television shows, and one of them is Blake 7. Uh, I know they're working on one for the tripods, but the Blake 7 one is complete, and it will be airing, and we have air dates for it now. Uh, this courtesy of Horizon, the uh, Blake 7 fan club's website, the Blake 7 Appreciation Society uh, website, which is uh, horizon.org.uk, and uh, the link is found, of course, on Podshot. Dot net in the links section under other other shows. Um, Cult of Blake 7, the half-hour TV special, is going to air on BBC4 on these following dates. Uh, it premieres Tuesday, December 12th at 8.30 p.m. It's repeated at 11.30 p.m. Wednesday the 13th at 2 a.m. Thursday the 14th from 10 to 10.30. And Friday from 12... from 1.20 to 2 a.m. It's long, and it says... It says signed. Now, I don't know. I don't understand. Is that perhaps James can shed some light on that? Is that a, a British thing? But uh, anyway, it's a it's a documentary on the history of Blake Seven and the, the cult that that has followed. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, nice to see Blake Seven getting a little bit of shine. And in honor of that, and Lewis <laughs> and I and James promised that in 2006 we would do a podcast on Blake Seven. And we have now we're now using this as the impetus for making the one-off Podshock Blake Seven special. So after this airs on December twelfth, uh, Lewis and I will watch it via other means, and we will uh, record a Podshock Blake Seven special. What Ken uh, means is that Ken and I will be going to the UK to watch it on December twelfth, and then we're <laughs> and then coming do back. And... Yes. <laughs> that's the other means that they're referring yes. to and if you believe that you'll believe that Michael Grade is, an, is a, oh, no. a wonderful excellent addition to the ITV lineup <laughs> so that anyway that's, the, that's the Blake 7 news just nice to have Blake 7 news mmm <laughs> mm, beer so in kind of our next big announcement uh, and it is a big announcement because it's. We want to say a big thank you mm-hmm. to everybody who came to the second live Doctor Who Podshock meetup. Um, there was a huge amount of people there over the course of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, it really was absolutely terrific to see so many people there, uh, and I think it was really a huge success. I was quite astounded, really, because. Yeah. We didn't really hear from anybody whether they were attending, and there were so many people. And and we kind of, um, you know, weren't. I mean, we wanted to post more information about it before the time came, and with the holiday and everything else. And uh, um, I, I was a little under the weather, and so anyway. But I mean, the turnout was was more than we really anticipated and, and we're very thankful for that and it was um for everyone that uh, that did go and i know there were some issues that some people had as far as the um the software not running on their machine or whatever but and you know we we do apologize for that but um for everyone that was able to make it that was great and um we enjoyed everyone's presence there uh we had well both um james and i were there at different times and um, if it it also fell, it was we were there to celebrate the the 43rd anniversary of Doctor Who, which was on uh, November 23rd. But it also happened to fall on the U.S. holiday of Thanksgiving, so that kind of prevented me from being there as much as I would like to have been. Um, so we are planning another one, and hope and and that when we do it again, we'll do it on a on a day that's not a holiday. That's at least not a major holiday. And um, but um, 
there were some regulars there. We had uh, Russell, our um, Canadian um, um, correspondent, was there, and um, um, Colin, of course. Colin was there. Um, Mike, um, who's um, known as um, you know Mike M Merlin or Merlin yeah. in in our forums, was there. And a, a special thank you to uh, Bazabil Eccleston, his that's his second life name, who um, allowed us to use his land, the land of Doctor Who, to hold this event. Yeah. Thanks ever so much, mate. That's brilliant. It was uh, very, very kind, and um, it's a great little community there. Uh, I like called the land of Doctor Who. Yes. Yeah. But what's great about this, it or it gave us an opportunity to kind of connect and chat with each other in a 3D environment, and uh, where you could actually, you know, dress up as a Cyberman if you wanted to, and have Dalek props and. Um, tortoises. And there's a virtual tortoise that you can explore too, which is um, pretty interesting as well. And it's constantly being um, worked on. So there are different console rooms and they're being developed. You know, the, the original console room and the new series console room is in there. And um, it's, it's really fascinating to go in there and explore it. Yeah, certainly, certainly. But the point is, we just wanted to say thank you to, to everybody and. Uh, it was a huge success, and I'm really looking forward to the next one. Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe we should do it um, once a month or once every other month, or we'll see how it works out. Maybe I was thinking weekends, you know, pick a weekend day that might, you know, that's not a Be holiday. suitable, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe, obviously, we're approaching December now, and we're, that's filled with holidays, so perhaps uh, maybe starting in January or, or something like that, might, you know, might be better. But uh, we'll keep yeah. you posted. Indeed. Very cool. It sounds like I missed something that uh, was a lot of fun. Yeah, unfortunately, Ken was unable to make it that time, um, but, um, you know. Yeah, I've, maybe uh, next time. started a new career, so. Um, <laughs> well, but I was different good. spirit. Yes, you were. <laughs> <laughs> maybe next time we'll have an avatar of you that, that you know. <laughs> an effigy. Gee, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> No, you know I'm joking. We'll have an effigy of Michael Grade, which you can bear. <laughs> In any okay, case. so is that it for the news part of the program? Mammoth news, yes, <laughs> yes. I believe so. So, um, I believe so. All right. So we'll be right back with more Doctor Who pod shock. <laughs> Hello, this is Professor McCoy, and you're listening to Podshock. I'm a jock. Philip K. Dick hit the madness years, come over to the Starship sofa. You want to find out why it took us three episodes and drove us mad? Then you can also check it out. Find out why Alfred Bester was the man who bridged the gap between the Pulp Fiction and New Wave. And if you're ever interested in a top female in science fiction, welcome aboard. If your cup of tea is science fiction classic films, we have them here. Dark Star, Capricorn One. 
And all cyberpunk enthusiasts out there, John Brummer was your leader. Come over and find out all about him on the Starship Sofa. We are the Pete and Dud of the science fiction world. Welcome to the Starship Sofa. I'd just like to point out that we are not Ant and Deck, we are not Pete and Dud, we are not Derek and Clive. That's just what people have sent to us in email. www.starshipsofa.com Shuttle set for launch. Airlock will be opened in 3, 2, 1. Welcome back to Doctor Who Podshock. Up next, we have Doctor Who Podshock contributor Joey Reynolds with a special sneak preview of the Doctor Who Invasion DVD. Uh, I guess this is only a sneak preview if you're outside of the Region 2 uh, area where the DVD is located. Well, it hasn't happened yet here in the States, but I did get access to at least most of the elements for The Invasion, the 1968 Pat Trouton story featuring the Cybermen, the last appearance until 1975, but please, it's just like telling a whole bunch of science students at the Eagles MC Square. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I've seen this over and over again a number of times in the past 20 years because back back in the day when we had VHS and we had bootlegs, this is how we got our lost two episodes until Johnny Turner decided to put the kibosh on the illegals and go ahead and release everything as much as possible with the Hartnelliers and the Troutoniers and the invasion came out as its own story. Well, I was very, very pleased to find out that Cosgrove Hall was going to go ahead and do the animation for the episodes one and four. And I was very, very pleased about this because I knew that with the popularity of Doctor Who at its peak right now, and hopefully that, that crest will, that, that wave will continue, combined with the fact that anything with the words Doctor and Who on it <laughs> can easily be sold off in no problem whatsoever when when just about five years ago we, we, we couldn't give away any of those old Doctor Who VHSs or, or DVDs we currently got. Um, it, it's just a magnificent adventure as to what Cosgrove Hall is doing thanks to what they did with Scream of the Shocker. And I, I must say this, I must say this, um, the animation, it's not fluid. But it works. It tells the story. And sometimes that can be a very, very good thing. You have the audio track. Basically, you have the, uh, the telly snaps. So you base the action. It may not be completely true to the action that was portrayed on screen. Who cares? You're seeing episodes one and four, and you're seeing the action. And I hope that if Cosgrove Hall, and I'm sure a lot of folks, first off, I know Cosgrove Hall's been getting a tremendous bouquet of, of congratulations from around the world, but, but also realize, I, I hope that this is the case, I, I hope that the next project Cosgrove Hall is going to do, and I'm sure they'll probably get requests for this already, 10th Planet Part 4. And I think that the goal now is, uh, now that this is tremendously successful as it will be here in the States and in Canada and Australia, uh, is that these uh, programs, these these lost episodes, will be replaced first. So instead of doing Marco Polo, which is completely white, um, how about doing 
the ten planets. I'm sorry, the moon base. The moon base, in which case you just fill in episodes one and three. And you get those other stories involved where you just fill in the holes and then you work on completing completely lost stories. So that's just me and my um, soapbox. But yeah, uh, great job. Great job uh, for, for everybody involved in this, uh, especially um, especially with the audio commentary is. And it's, it's kind of interesting. I, it, it, when you're hearing the audio commentary on, on episode four, you're hearing uh, Fraser Hines, Winnie Padbury, and Nick Courtney all kind of lost, if you will. I wish that Gary Russell could have been there, at least just to kind of nudge him a bit. Because, I mean, for them, it was just a job they did 30, 40 years ago, which is understandable. But maybe a bit of the tweaking and the tuning where the audio commentary is concerned. I think you need to have a Gary Russell or an Andrew Beach involved with some of these folks because just to remind them uh, and, and maybe just to throw in a few anecdotes here and there just to jog their memory. Either, uh, either way, though, it's, it's great stuff. Great stuff. All right. Thank you. Now, Q, then it's great stuff, great stuff. Hi, Ken Lewis and James. It's Russell, your other Canadian correspondent here at the VWIN Hoobat. Hoobat. Uh, what am I saying? Here in Toronto. I thought I would come down here to a segment for my show, but also give you guys a little insight on this Doctor Who gathering. So, uh, what I'm going to do is give you uh, a couple of clips you can play and get an opinion of um, Doctor Who of a uh, more Canadian plant on today's show. So, hope you enjoy that, and I'll hopefully talk to three of you very soon. All right, we're here with Graham Burke, who is, is a uh, proud member of the WN. What, what do you do for the club? Okay. I'm the editor of Enlightenment, which is uh, Dwin's uh, long-running fanzine. It's been in existence uh, since uh, 1983, and uh, it's published 136 issues. And I've been editor since uh, 2000, so six years. Now, what could you, um, what brought on this event today? Um, I think we've wanted to do a proper convention in Toronto for a very long time, and so we thought that we needed to keep the momentum going for such an event, and we needed to more critically raise funds for it. So the, the goal of this event was to basically be a fundraiser and to sort of build momentum for a future event sometime next year. Now, at the tail end of it, how did it go today? Um, it was good. I think there was a good crowd, a good buzz. Um, people seem to enjoy themselves. I think those are all the most important things. And, uh, yeah, people show up in enough numbers to, to make it a very worthwhile day, I think. What was the attendance? you know roughly? Um, somewhere around 60, 60, somewhere between 60 and 70, I'm sure, between the comings and goings and stuff. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. This is a nice small little pub here, Rowers Pub in Toronto. I had fun finding it, but then again, I don't know Toronto where it's crud. Um, now, what got you into Doctor Who yourself? Um, I, I watched it on WNED, uh, Channel 17 in Buffalo, like, uh, like I think just that anyone who was, uh, who was, uh, living in the 1980s, um, in Southern Ontario, um, you know, uh, same way as everyone else, I just sort of stuck with it instead. It was, you know, it quickly became my favorite television show, and I just sort of, uh, and it's always been a part of my life, and you know it's been my main hobby since uh, 1984. 
Now, what do you think of the um, the of the revamp and the, the new series that that came out back in 2005? It's excellent. I think it's uh, I think it uh, it's amazing how easily it captured the spirit of the original show and how easily it caught the notion that the show was always in motion and it would always evolve and change. So it, it sort of it sort of is it's as though the show had been never off the air but it just simply evolved uh, and this is where it picked it up where it, uh, it, you know in that process evolution. I really enjoy it. I think it's well written, I think it's funny, I think it's smart, I think it's I think it's exciting, I think it's everything I want Doctor Who to be. Now, do you prefer Tennant over Eccleston, or what do you feel the, the, the what's your preference? I think I'm going to be diplomatic. I think each actor brings different strengths to the role. I think I think Eccleston brought uh, a certain uh, charisma and a certain intensity that was really great, and I think it sort of gave that sort of thing. I think I think Tennant brings uh, a lot more variety to the role. I think he brings a, a far greater range, and I think he brings a certain exuberance and happiness to the role that I think is great. So I think they do different things, and I think they have different strengths, and and I think that's okay. I think uh, I think both are excellent actors. I mean, I think uh, you look at their range of work. I think they both have careers that are quite varied, and I think they're both brilliant actors. So I'm, I'm, I think I think we've been very lucky. Yeah. Now currently we have series two already on CBC, uh, and um, series three will begin in England, starting in England in the spring. What are you most looking forward to about series three? I'm interested to see how the dynamic with uh, Martha uh, takes place. I think um, I think that uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the scripts by Paul Cornell and Gareth Roberts. Gareth Roberts in particular, because he he's a very versatile writer who has done phenomenally well with just about any medium Doctor Who's been in, ranging from the annuals to novels to the comic strip to audios. I mean, so I really want to see how he does with the TV script. Um, I'm looking forward very much to. Uh, seeing the new dynamic that takes place with the new companion and, and with the show having completely rewritten itself over. Um, because I think the Doctor Who that was established in 2005 was not necessarily the Doctor Who that we know well as fans was a changed companion and a changed Doctor and stuff like that. So I think, you know, I, so I think it's going to be an interesting year. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to Stephen, Stephen Moffat's story, of course. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it, it will be very interesting. Now, what do you think of the current state of sci-fi? We've had a bit of a resurgence of sci-fi. Shows like Doctor Who, Galactica, Heroes, is even sci-fi-ish. I think it's a. I think it's a. We're in a good place more than we've been in. And I mean, I think the '90s was something of a wasteland aside from the X Files. I think. Uh, I think. Uh, I think the nice thing about it is the variety of stories that are being able to be told right now. I think. Uh, I think shows like Doctor Who show that there's a good space for uh, adventure-based stuff, and I think Galactica is is great at showing the strengths of political allegory that can be done in science fiction, and I think that, and I think we've shown that the broad church that science fiction on television can be, and I think that's quite exciting. So if somebody wants to get involved with DWN, how can they do that? Well, the Doctor Who Information Network is uh, North America's oldest and longest-running Doctor Who fan club. Uh, you can visit our website at www.dwin.org, that's www.dwin.org, um, and they have pretty much all the information on how you can join. Uh, members get to see Enlightenment, which is a fantastic zine, if I, I, which I would say, even if I was an editor, uh, six times a year, um, which has uh, some of the best commentary on Doctor Who going. Uh, the And it's North America's longest-running Doctor Who fanzine. It has professional writers, uh, 
such as Lloyd Rose and Lance Parkin, who are Doctor Who novelists writing for it. It has some of the better fan writers, I think, uh, doing it. We have one of the best review sections. So I think there's a lot you can get out of it. And, you know, uh, we also, you know, provide support for local chapters to develop and stuff like that. So I think there's a lot you can get out of Gwyn. So. Excellent. And if somebody was going to start off with, with Doctor Who, like a starting point with the old series, where would you say? I always think that you should start with the most kind of uh, typical episode you can, you, a good typical episode. So my choice would be either uh, The Face of Evil or uh, The Brain of Morbius. I think, I think they're both good, solid stories. I think uh, it has Tom Baker with a cravat, which I think is the period of Tom Baker where he's best. I think it has, um, I think it has great production values, and I think they're both exciting stories that, that have excellent pacing, and I think. And, and The Doctor is very funny and accessible and, and uh, eccentric in both, so I think that I think that also helps with both. Um, I think Face of Evil in some ways is a better one because the Doctor starts out alone, so you you basically have to experience the Doctor um, on your own, and I think it's a great entry into into what makes the Doctor great. So, yeah, one of those two, I think. Yeah, and you know what? And the team viewers, if you watch BBC Kids, late at night on North American television, you can probably catch one of those episodes in the current rotation that they keep showing them. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a, I think I think it's a good time for Doctor Who in Canada with uh, BBC Kids showing it and with CBC showing the current series. So I think there's lots of uh, there's lots of we're spoiled for choice for a change, which is kind of, which is kind of uh, not been the active theme in Doctor Who over the past ten years previous to this. So. Yes, yeah, a lot of long years between the end of Survival and um, the 2000 the, the Paul McGann movie and today. Yes, indeed. I think uh, I, I mean I think there's been. Uh, I think that the fan, the nice thing about Doctor Who fandom is is that it, it's a large chunk of us stayed with it between those times, and I think uh, we found things to find Doctor Who in, like the audios and the and the books and stuff. And 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 I think now that the TV series is on, it's great because there's a really exciting, brilliantly done television series on the air right now, and we have the ability to very easily find new fans of the classic show. And I think I think I think everyone wins. Yeah, the audio's great, too. Big finish stuff. There's lots out there. Literally a decade worth of stories if people want to explore them. Yeah, I think the audios have, have got a lot of fans, and I think there's I think there's a lot of good choices. I don't... Uh, and in the books, also. I mean, I think if you can think the books may be even slightly more accessible thanks to uh, used bookstores and stuff like that. I think there's a... I think, I think the New Adventures are one of the most consistent series of science fiction books ever written, and I think... Uh, I think have some of the most exciting stories, and frankly... It proved to be the farm team for the uh, for the new series as we know it, um, with all the writers coming to it, including Russell Davies. Yeah, and then you also have David Tennant reading some of the new books, which is a great read. He does it. Anybody has a chance to listen to those? Excellent. Yeah, um, I haven't heard them yet. I'm looking forward to them. Um, I mean, I'm not so impressed with the current crop of books, but I do think that. Uh, but I do think that overall, I mean, I think I think you can't uh, go wrong with Doctor Who books generally. No. Yeah. Well, thanks, Greg, for taking your time. It's been a really busy day here, crazy craziness, but thank you for uh, taking part in uh, talking about today's event. No trouble, thanks very much. Cheers. And we're back with Doctor Who, Podshock, Ken Deep, alongside Louis Trapani, and Mr. James Naughton, and it's feedback time. This is your portion of the program where we uh, respond to your 
emails, letters, smoke signals, voicemails, Skype messages. God knows what else. <laughs> yeah, whatever way you get us the message, we'll, we'll get it. We'll decode it somehow. Yes, very good. So, um, coming in um, through, um, I think this came in through the doc- the Doctor Who Podshock public call box, and um, I guess this is a good time as any to plug that, and how you can send us feedback is, um, um, if you- this is a U.S. phone number, just so you know, but if you have, uh, feel free to use it any way you like. You can call 206-888, I'm sorry, did I... <laughs> How many eights did I just say? 206-888-4-WHO. And that translates to 206-888-4946. And that's for... And you can leave a voicemail message there and we'll get it and um, it'll be potentially on the show. The other way to send us mm. voicemail is through Skype or the Gizmo Project. And the um, our screen name or the, 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 the address that you would send it to is simply Podshock. So... Um, don't be shy. Of course, you can also record an audio message and send it through email or, uh, for that matter, a, a text message. But uh, remember, we are an audio podcast, so <laughs> we prefer to hear from you. Uh, but all feedback is welcomed. But um, So coming in um, on the Podshock Public Call box is um, the first one up is um, Fritz from uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Doctor Who Podshock people. I'm calling from Madison, Wisconsin, and my name is Chris Fyrer. A couple things I wanted to say. First of all, thank you for uh, republishing that interview with Colin Baker. It's amazing to me how articulate and professional he can be when he's been treated so poorly. I think it would be a good example for other people that have to roll with the punches, the way that he managed to come through with flying colors and remain so classy. Um, I wanted to ask you guys about Outpost Gallifrey, specifically uh, if you're aware of, 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 the, of the doings over there. Uh, it's a big fan site. Uh, it was a source of news for Doctor Who, uh, for me at least, until the podcast came to be known to me. And uh, there seems to be some changeover going over there with uh, Sean Lyon and uh, her stopping running the site and then saying it's not going to have Doctor Who news anymore. And then uh, all of a sudden, oh, it's going to have news again. Point is, it seems that Doctor Who Podshock has become my staple now to get Doctor Who news because it seems like one of the other big communities out here in fandom has been dismantled and is getting remantled. And uh, you guys seem to have your act together and are, are seeing seeing things through. So I thought it might be of interest to fandom to see what's going on and. Uh, perhaps give some feedback as to what's happening. Uh, I know that uh, they, they, they're kind of a competitor to you guys, but uh, I, I find that I find I get a great experience by going to, going to their site and to yours and other Doctor Who fan sites and that it's a very everyone loves everyone else type of community. And uh, it's great to have alternate resources to get news should uh, the inevitable happen and real life gets in the way of fandom like it did for Sean Lyon. So it's good that, that you guys are here putting all this time in and, and doing all this audio, great audio production and indexing your podcast. So, um, yeah, it would be great to hear what you guys think about that and what you guys think about um, what's going on over there and how much time does this take up of your life? I mean, have, have you guys had the uh, situation where you're like, oh, no, we won't be able to do a podcast today because of, you know, family in real life? And how does your, how do your family feel about your Doctor Who? Does it 
does it get in the way or anything. So that'd be interesting to hear. Um, keep up the good work. I'm a, I'm a weekly listener, and Pete from Wisconsin. Goodbye. Very cool. Thanks, Fritz. Yes. Um, you know, for, right off the bat, I, I, I always want to make it clear that, you know, we, Lewis and James and I never feel that we're ever in competition with yes. anybody else, yeah. uh, that, that everything yeah. we do is in conjunction um, with places like Outpost Gallifrey and Doctor Who Online and, and um, DWNY and, and Dwin and, a many, you know, many of the resources. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of, of a of fandom um, when, it's, when it's good. Yeah, is that I mean, everybody we, shares and contributes. Exactly. We expect, you know, listeners to be going to other other sites and other podcasts and whatever. We all complement each other and uh rather than compete with each other and um you know, so it's it's something that 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 we are very pleased. I mean, from the beginning of the Gallifrey Embassy, there were other local fan clubs and in different geographical areas and we always worked together with them, you know, as opposed to you know, working against them or in any way because um it's all about doc- we're Doctor Who fans first and that's what it's all about. So we're we're yeah. hoping to, um, you know, make the experience that much more enjoyable for for fans, and uh, you know, so. And in uh, in all fairness, you know, those guys, uh, you know, Sean and, and the crew at Outpost Gallifrey have been doing this a hell of a long time. Yeah, uh, maintaining a website. It's been like ten years. A quality website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's a lot of work that gets put in. So yeah. I, I mean, I can completely understand Sean Line. Um, from my understanding, it was just gotten to the point where you know he needed to take a breather from it. And um, he's been doing the news section of the of Outpost Gallifrey. The re- the rest of the site still is up and thriving, to my understanding. You know, they have a forum section and um, other you know sections of the website. Uh, but it, it was just the news section that was. Um, temporarily shut down and i say temporarily because um to my understanding it's coming back um mm-hmm. I, I don't know if mm-hmm. he's gotten other editors on board and uh, i think so yeah. yeah so it will be returning as far as a news source uh starting the first of december if i'm not mistaken and you know you still yeah. have um doctor who online and, and some of the you know there's many many resources i know james is is a, is a fan of uh, of doctor who online right james is- yeah what are your time. favorite spots? Well, we're, we're, we're fans of all uh, Doctor no, 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 Who. I'm saying we, we in particular people frequent yeah. different things based on their you know their tastes on um, perhaps the, the layout of the site or the where they find certain things and so you know there there's tons of resources we utilize them all we we support them all. Um, yeah. To me, and, a, a lot of what we do with the Pod Podshock website is the ability to have links. To other sources, you know, if there's something out, there's somebody out there that has something that we don't, uh, we at least want to be able to steer you oh, in the right yeah, direction absolutely. to find those things. That's why we we try to you know continually add to our web resources so that uh, listeners can come here and then go you know discover other Doctor Who resources and um, informational sites and whatnot. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. And just to address um, Fritz's other question, yes, it, real life and outside life does sometimes interfere with the podcast, and many times it does, and that, that's when you'll have gaps in between, um, you know, where we'll go a week without a podcast or something like that, and um, it, it and does as, happen. As James and, and Lewis will attest to you, just in today's recording, I was half an hour late you know, running from one place to another trying to get here in time to, to do it. So, it, it, yeah, I mean... It, and and as to what our family and, and friends think, um, they probably think we're all nuts. Yeah, oh, definitely. I can, can... 
I know that they all think uh, that we're nuts. But, uh, certainly, uh, my family does and wonders what on earth but, I, I do. You know what? What keeps me motivated, and, and and this we talked about this earlier in today's podcast. Like James was mentioning about with a, a couple of people that um, who are visually impaired that that listen to the podcast, and maybe I just took it for granted. Like just just hearing him say that, you know, it, it, it makes me think of the scope of the types of people around the world that listen to the show. And and, and you know, we've said this before, and I, and I and it, it never wears, it never fades for me how amazed I am at how many people and and how and, and how many different types of people listen to this show and, and how much it means to a lot of people and the, and the feedback we get for it. it. It never ceases to humble Lewis or James or myself. Yes, absolutely. Nicely summarized there, yeah. So, uh, cheers, Fritz, for your questions. And, and proof of that is we're going to shift from Madison, Wisconsin to Germany, right, Lewis? Sure, let's um, all aboard. <laughs> let's set the quarters to... <laughs> the non-stop to... flight from Madison, Wisconsin to Germany. <laughs> and here we go. So, you guys wanted to know where and when your listeners heard about Podshock or discovered Doctor Who. Well, first things first, uh, I can remember some scenes of The Curse of Fenric. I must have seen it when I was, well, six, seven? Uh, I don't know. The show was shown here in Germany on a private network so to speak. Um, Fox, I saw some episodes, must be very early, 6, 7. And um, then, one day, I stumbled over the German books of Doctor Who, uh, Goldmann Verlag, um, and, uh, well, I knew about Doctor Who. Well, I was interested, but I wasn't uh, so into the series as, um, well, I must get all the DVDs and I must watch this episode until Christopher Eccleston uh, burst it into my life and changed it. Well, after Fastscape, Doctor Who is, well, what can I say? <laughs> yes. Yeah, good. Okay, and when had I... First time I heard about Podshots. Ooh. Wow. Mmm. That's difficult. Mm. Well, I heard about podcasting last year. And. No, no, no. Well, doch. Well, doch. Last year? Last year? 2004? 2005? Uh, at the end of the year 2004 and so on. And of course, it's <laughs> for podcasts about sci-fi uh, things, so I discovered reading it, and uh, of course all the other beautiful things out there about um, sci-fi, and of course the Firefly podcast, and uh, the escape pods, and all the things, all the good things there are there, and so I stumbled upon your podcast, and I'm described ever since. Let's have a look in my iTunes. To look, um, well, I the first episode I'm sure that I heard was 27. Of course, I've got all the episodes here, but I think it must be 27. That was on 
No, 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 no. I am wrong. I hate my memory sometimes. It must be this was last year. I think episode 14. Yeah, first time I think the Doctor Who mini special episode Children in Need. I think that was it. And I watched the first season. Uh, the days and the weeks and the months before, and yeah, so I stumbled upon that wonderful thing that you are making, the podcast, yeah, of course, and no, no news from Germany when the doctor is shown here, for seven, for seven, has by the first two episodes, episodes, series, series, and, uh, well, you can ask them, but all they give, but all that they are giving, oh yeah, they, you can ask them, but they are not saying when, they are saying we have bought the series, we will show it this year, but when, I, we are not sure. Okay, that's for that, and yeah, keep on, and make good work of all this. And yeah, I like to have wonderful new episodes from you. Okay, bye, Christian Thompson. Very cool. Thank you Christian, very much. Um, yes, I'm from Germany, and uh, thank you so much for that report. And I, I think a while ago we we had asked how our listeners had discovered Doctor Who and. I think he was responding to that, and um, mm-hmm. I have to that 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 voicemail was actually um, from a while ago, and we haven't had a chance to play it yet, so um, it's a it's a little dated, I think, in that sense. And I, I think Christian has actually sent in a voicemail since then that gave us a more up to date um, appraisal of Doctor Who in Germany since then. I would in from Central Illinois on the line, as they say. Lewis, Ken, and James. Hi, this is Wayne from Central Illinois, S-S-A-A-T-T-B-B on the forums. I just finished listening to the BBC Radio Wales audio stream of the Children in Need Doctor Who concert. What an exciting evening. To have radio commentary from an event such as this isn't really done in America, except at sporting events. So it was really cool to hear interviews from celebrities and average concert goers alike, as well as those who have benefited from children in need. The orchestra and chorus were first rate, and they brought Murray Gold's music alive with energy and musicianship. The second half of the concert, which featured music composed for Dalek and Cybermen episodes, was really exciting. It's great to hear the music without dialogue and sound effects included because it makes one that much more aware of the complexity and color that the music brings to the series. I'm looking forward to the CD release of music from the series and hope that much of what was played at the concert appears on the CD. Out of five TARDIS groans, I give the Children in Need Doctor Who concert six groans and a bag of Jelly Babies. This is Wayne from Central Illinois. Later. 
Bags of Jelly Babies. That's quite a new novel way to review <laughs> things. Maybe we should uh, adopt that system for stuff that's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks, Way, mate. And, uh, yeah, I listened to it. It was really uh, good to, to hear, and uh, I completely agree with everything that you said. It was uh, a top-notch deal. Yes, and I, um, as we reported earlier, uh, the soundtrack should be... Um, in your hands soon if you already pre-ordered it and if not it's um very shortly it's december 4th i think it's its release date and if you're lucky like pat you may have gotten it already yeah yeah so um our final piece of feedback here comes um we're we're back in well um wayne obviously was central illinois and we're, we're still in the u.s for this one as well this is keith from nebraska and um this is um his impressions of uh, the new series, the new revitalized Doctor Who series. Hey, Podshark host. Uh, don't want to show favoritism, so I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, I've been wanting to call in and tell you what a wonderful show it is. Uh, you guys are great to listen to. Uh, I'm only a newly found Doctor Who uh, fan, probably the last, oh, eight to ten years. Uh, Heard about Doctor Who, well, back in the 80s, got bits and pieces of uh, some Canadian television where uh, uh, never really got to see two consecutive episodes because I never knew when it was on. Uh, a little bit of Trial of the Time Lord, a little bit of Tom Baker, but uh, uh, kind of some early history of my Doctor Who knowledge. Uh, had a really good friend in the late 90s who got me hooked, started on the Big Finish audios, which... Uh, are awesome. Really uh, been enjoying those ever since. Uh, started uh, getting into the books, bought some old books, uh, Terrence Dick's novels, and uh, started buying some new ones with Christopher Eccleston's Doctor and, and uh, some Eighth Doctor books. Uh, so let me go ahead and get started. On, let me tell you what I think of Series 1. Loved it. Christopher Eccleston was great. Uh, little unsure about why he uh, made some comments about his nose, even though there are pictures of him that you know dating from way back when. It sounds like he just just uh, regenerated, but it doesn't really show that. Uh, wish he could have stuck around for a couple more seasons. Thought he was an excellent, excellent doctor. Uh, series two, uh, David Tennant doing wonderfully. Uh, he's just been excellent. Uh, Cybermen versus the Daleks, excellent, excellent in that series. Uh, hoping that Series 3 will uh, continue to prove to be an awesome show. Uh, hoping that uh, the Doctor, though, will have two or three episodes by himself and, and uh, maybe a little bit more of a, a face of Bo and and uh, maybe if his companion turned out to be somebody not from Earth, so maybe they could travel from other places. So, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, so far, I've watched the first five episodes of Torchwood. Got to say, I'm impressed. Uh, trying to figure out exactly what's going on. It's got a little bit of a Highlander feel, which uh, one of you guys mentioned in the a past episode. And... Uh, Kind of, kind of see how that plays out. 
try to figure out, you know, how long he's been back on Earth and, and uh, what he's been up to. Maybe a few more flashbacks, it looks like. Uh, hopefully, uh, it sounds like he's supposed to be in uh, Series 3, Captain Jack, so we'll see how they how they play it together. Um, but all I can really say is, you know, I'm loving Doctor Who, trying to get into it as much as possible. Uh, have a lot more opinions and and things to talk about, which uh, I'll probably leave at a later date. I definitely want to try to call in more often. And um, I've been reading, like I said, reading a lot of the books you guys have been talking about. Wouldn't mind getting a, a review or two in once I, you know, study and figure out how to uh, do a book report. It's been many, many years since I've had to do one. So I um, would like to point out an interesting thought, though, uh, something that I haven't heard from anybody yet. Uh, hopefully it comes out in a book, or it could even maybe even come out in a TV series. Two characters from the Dr. Hoovers that I think should definitely, definitely meet would be Captain Jack and, and Bernice Summerfield. Uh, those two are definitely some excellent characters, and together I think it would be one heyday of a party between the two of them. So here's hoping they do something with the books on that end or, heck, even an episode. Who knows? So just want to end it now so it doesn't take up too much time. I definitely like to call back and, and spread my spew my opinions forth. Uh, thanks for listening, and keep up the good work. Bye. Yeah, feel free to to call in, and you don't have to worry about the format of reviewing things and book reports. We never were any good at any of that. Well, probably James was. He's a good student. But. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but thank you, sir. You, uh, you flatter me. Flatter me. But well, yeah, I, didn't, I agree. I didn't travel abroad to, to, uh, to study, James. Only you've done that. Uh, I'm not, I only send uh, the best and the brightest out, James. <laughs> if you believe that, you'll believe that. Uh, well, that Michael Grade is going over to <laughs> ITV to produce some quality television. But yes, uh, I, no, I, I I agree with everything that um, that the kind gentleman said. Uh, good good old Keith from Nebraska, and uh, yeah, we love getting stuff from listeners, and uh, you yes. know, please do send more stuff in because. Uh, Especially as Lewis said earlier, the the audio stuff because it's just nice to to hear people because um, emails are great and please do send them in, but uh, audio is better and it's just nice that you can have your voice heard on the show. So yeah, yeah absolutely. And um, I know that there's been a lot of debate and there's probably further discussions that you can go and explore on our website about this concerning the Ninth Doctor and if he had just regenerated before Rose or not. And because we see these pictures in that episode from, you know, um, the Kennedy assassination and whatnot. And so, uh, but there's speculation on, on, on how that all came to be. And um, so I, I would kind of, you know, it would quite go into a long podcast if we were to go into it here so but I, that's why we have the website so we can have the further discussions there and really explore the new never stopped us. I never stopped us before yeah <laughs> well um i know I, I believe he had just regenerated and and or or if if he had those adventures right before the episode rose then he avoided the mirror or whatever because it seemed like he you know he did spot himself in the mirror at rose's flat and um you know and and 
and was kind of surprised, you know, about the, you know, seeing how he looked. Well, maybe there are no mirrors in the TARDIS. Yeah, well, wasn't he on the Titanic as well, or, um... Yeah. He was in these other places, too, so... I think there was a missed opportunity there, had the show already been on the air, to make the, you know, other doctors. And to, uh, in order to reinforce the fact that, uh, Clive was saying that it was a, um, it was a title handed down. Uh, but I think in order to not confuse a brand new audience, they had to stick with the Chris Eccleston doctor in those scenes. Yeah. And also, I think that they didn't want to give too much away for those who hadn't seen the previous uh, series in that, um, you know, I think that was for a lot of fans, new fans, kids who had never seen the previous series, the fact that he regenerated at the end of the series was a big surprise and shock and, you know, all those sorts of things, and they didn't want to give that away, I guess. Yeah, and the thing about the face, you know, the the, the improvements with the face, um, those could that could just be one throwaway line if you'd never seen anything before. You know, you mm, wouldn't make mm. love it. The next scene is it all this action and craziness. Well, also those yeah. scenes, uh, those pictures that we saw that Clive had collected may have not had happened yet, and we know that there's adventures that uh, the Doctor and Rose had in between televised stories. So. Um, those could be slotted in there, and maybe just Rose weren't, you know, weren't, just was not pictured or drawn in those. Uh, maybe maybe Rose did that drawing, you know, and that's why she's not represented there, or that photograph Rose was somewhere else, and not, you know, who knows? Yeah, there could be any multitude of different reasons. I think that's probably a better explanation, um, <clears throat> because otherwise you have problems. With if he's just newly regenerated, then he, even so, he's been on quite a few adventures, even if he hasn't spotted a mirror or whatever. So, because you know how long it takes, uh, regenerations often go wrong, and the doctor's got to pick out his costume. And, yeah, you know, I mean, unless he picked out the leather coat and jumper in a similar fashion that John Pertwee did, he happened to just, or, or for that matter, um, um, the Paul McGann, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, happened yeah. to stumble upon it and just became his outfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what's great about Doc Two is that you can speculate and 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 you know about these things and read into it and it, you know um, and form your own ideas. Yeah, that's what makes it interesting. Your, yeah, it forms even greater adventures in I mean, your imagination. That's why I I don't like when everything is too explained, you know, and I, I like to keep the mystery in the show and so that you know the audience can kind of speculate and and use their own imagination. And sometimes I I don't like when too much is is revealed about the doctor or, 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 mm. or whatnot. Mm. Mm. I agree. Uh, you know, there's still plenty of mystery left to the doctor. I mean, even though over 43 years, little bits have leaked out over the years, he's still just as mysterious today as he always has been. Mm-hmm. Hey, okay. We know where he's from, but you know, okay. How does that help us? We don't know anything about his family or his background or, you know, what makes him tick or talk. Sorry, <laughs> never mind. It's, it's late. And... But that must be the that must be the announcement of the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> A nice one at that. Yes. <laughs> TikTok times up. <laughs> so yeah, thank you ever so much for listening, everybody. It's been another mammoth show. We're sorry to bombard you with news, but. A lot has been going on since. Uh, <laughs> we apologize for keeping you. you informed. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. Lots of news and 
and uh, well, lots of everything. It's been a, mm -hmm. a pretty much an action-packed show. You've got your money's worth, and as soon as you don't <laughs> and pay for it, <laughs> yeah, we, then you've, you've got quite a lot. That the price will be going up in 2007, it will still be free. <laughs> yeah. But, um, Cheap as free. Yeah. Instead of zero cents or pounds or whatever, it's going to be pence. Or it will be zero, zero. <laughs> It'll be We're doubling zero. it. <laughs> yeah, it's being doubled. But uh, in any case, um, just want to say, of course, uh, do send us your emails and feedbacks and everything else. You know all the addresses by now. If not, you can head over to uh, podshop.net. Great source for news, forums, yeah, everything. I, I forgot to mention our email address when I gave out the other details. It's feedback. Oh, please do. Feedback at podshock.net. Oh, there you and go. Nice and simple. If you are a MySpacer, you can look up Doctor Who Podshock. That's usually what I'm monkeying around with is MySpace account. Very good. Well, until next time, we bid you adieu. Until next time. Cheers. Have a good one. All right. Bye-bye. Listening to Doctor Who Podshock by the fan run GallifreyanEmbassy.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next week for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock. You can email us at feedback at podshock.net. You are scum! No, actually, I am known as the Doctor. <laughs> <laughs>